0: Everybody and welcome to Comic Club, your friendly neighborhood comic book podcast. We are joining you live today from the Chronopolis at the end of time. That's right, everyone. We're talking about Loki. This is our Beyond the Panels episode where we talk about the film and TV shows inspired by the comics that we love and read about on this show. Let's start it off, Adam. I watched the episode yesterday. You watched it this morning. Give me your first impressions. Give me your take. What did you think about Loki? I loved it.
1: This is easily the best TV show that Marvel has made, easily. It's, you know,
0: take any of
1: the TV shows and throw them all out. This one is one, first of all, that before the last episode, I thought it was already better than all the other episodes, all the other shows. They were just nailing it. There's so many things to talk about, um, but they were just nailing it. The performances are incredible. It has a real original like design and look to it, um, just like a quirkiness that's super fun. The plot was incredible. And here's the biggest thing. It mattered. At yes. the end of it, the, this really set up the next phase of Marvel stuff. And now you got to watch the tv shows too. Those first two I kept waiting for something big to happen where you would think, okay, if you're going to be a fan of the MCU, you have to watch the tv yeah. shows because of this. And yeah, you know, Falcon became the Captain America. So that was yes. pretty important. Um yes. but you knew that was going to happen. You don't really yes. need to watch that to see it. This is like if you want to know what's happening, you have to watch the M- the MCU tv shows now.
0: Yeah, I mean WandaVision, really, the fan theories got ahead of ourselves. It was like, is this going to open up the multiverse? Mephisto? Yeah. Are we going to have Mr. Fantastic come in here? And it was all faints. You know, it was just still small. And it, again, it made her into sort of the WandaVision witch or the Wanda witch character that we know in the comics. Same thing with Falcon and Winter Soldier. He became... He became Cats in America. That could happen in the first 30 minutes of his film. Um, It didn't need six hours. I mean, we enjoyed him. But to your point, this show, I think, did two things. One, it mattered. And we're going to talk about that. I want to talk about really the ramifications of this. But two is just establishing Loki as a peak character and such an important thing in the MCU. I think for the longest time, he has he has always been on the periphery since Thor 1. I mean, he's one of the longest running characters in this whole thing. And forever, he is just, you can never trust him. He is always going to betray you. And that's the Loki characterization. But how do you make a trickster god? How do you make a liar a the lead character? You know, how do you make... How do you make an audience really care about him and take it seriously? And this gave him an arc where he cares about somebody else with Sylvie. He really cares about the state of the universe. And he was handed the universe on a silver platter at the end of this this whole thing. And he chose, I want to think about it. And I want to talk about the ramifications. And that arc that Loki has had is nuts. I, I just thought that was fantastic. Hiddleston, incredible
1: incredible you know they've always had this i feel like not a problem with loki but they they had such a a great actor and character on their hands that you could tell that they were just trying to figure out how they could get him in and make him interesting and not just completely betray all that they had set up in the past and you know for the longest time he was the only good villain that they had pretty much until thanos came along and um this is kind of the goal or the challenge of the next phase. I think in Marvel is that how are they going to take these characters that are kind of on the fringe that have interesting aspects to them or that people recognize and how are they going to sort of recontextualize them and make them as important as captain America was as important as iron man was as interesting as those characters are. And I don't know, um, honestly, how this one connects to the comic books, how much they took from the comics. But it seems like it was a pretty different interpretation. And sometimes that kind of reimagining is really, I think, what's going to give these characters legs.
0: Agreed. Um, Let's talk about, before we get into the really big multiversal metaphysical aspects of it, some of the small stuff, I think you mentioned the setting the architecture, the bureaucracy stuff. What, what did you think of the sort of TVA framing device, Mobius, the sort of that setting?
1: This just really worked for me, kind of on every level. They were introducing a lot of really weird concepts that were yes. pretty hairy. You kind of got to get into the weeds to understand a lot of these. And it's really hard to get a lot of that across without just an information dump and they kind of did that anyways by having, you know, that Miss Minutes character. Yes. She's this little, like, a- like animated time, animated clock that talks yes. to this hilarious character. Mm-hmm. And she just explains everything because Loki doesn't know, you know, he's he's our window into the world. He's the fish out of water. He's the audience viewpoint. And it works really well to just have them explain that to the main character. And it had just all these kind of, like, really fun quirks to it. I loved the design of it. That first episode was just taking its time to get you into this world. And uh, yeah, I love that design. I loved how weird it was. It was really funny that first episode too. The rest of the series wasn't, it comes back actually. I'll take it back because Alligator Loki is (laughs) one of my favorite things that's happened to the MCU. But um, yeah, that first episode, really funny. I really love the tone that they had set up and um, yeah, the design of it. I mean, Hiddleston is awesome. He looks awesome. His hair is incredible in this. Um, Sylvie is just like a badass. Also, incredible hair. They had some really good fight scenes, actually. Especially that fight scene between them in the last one. I was, yes, I was, was impressed.
0: I was impressed. Um, speaking of the sort of TV, I think the first kind of four episodes, which a lot of them either take place on either the TVA or that lamentous one or two location, and. I loved the visual design, the architecture. I loved the low shots. You see all the lighting at the top of the TVA yeah. just looks, you know, from a cinematographer's cinematographer's perspective, just looked really awesome. And then the set design, I love the way that they did the TVA where it was like very ancient, kind of digital, like almost like 70s yes calculators and stuff like that and the computers were like these like printouts and it just had this really like sort of lived in bureaucratic feel with the library and all that it was just like very tactile probably was a little bit cheaper to shoot because they're you know building these locations and there's i mean there's some cgi and one of the questions i had here is like that last two episodes is the best cgi in a television show incredible that opening sequence I-,
1: I was just like staring at my screen like whoa i felt like yeah. i was watching just a movie at that point and i feel i'm so glad you brought that up because it blew me
0: away and and the point there that i was going to say is i think the first T- the The two shows, WandaVision and then Falcon and Winter Soldier, it made me let my guard down. And I was like, you know what? Loki's probably not going to matter. It's going to be this small scale story set in the TVA. There will be some ramifications, but not so much. And for those first four episodes, that's how I was approaching it. And I was meeting on its own terms. And I was loving Mobius and I was loving Sylvie. And obviously Hiddleston as Loki is just always incredible. And then once we get into episode five and six, I mean, it was just, you know, brain explosion emoji for me, where I was just like, I cannot believe where they're going with this. And they are getting so bold.
1: So bold. I really was impressed at the choices that they made. Really fun, you know, and interesting. I Like, let's talk about the episode with multiple Lokis, because that was just like one of the high points of the season, I think.
0: It's called Journey into Mystery, which is, you know, a standard of Loki and Asgardian. I, th- I believe it's a comic book just called Journey into Mystery. And um, y- I mean, you f- you frame it up for us, Adam. I mean, we we meet four main Lokis and then there's a couple more Easter eggs and stuff like that. Tell me about um, that episode.
1: Well, it's, it's great because I think that was the first time in the season that they had the episode before. Okay, I got to back up. At the end of the episode before... Loki gets pruned, okay? Yes. I love that term, pruned, because that's yes. they're, they're trimming the timeline. The, tree. the trees on the timeline, the branches, they gotta prune them. So he gets pruned, and basically that like disintegrates people. You don't know what happens to them. Turns out it doesn't kill them, it just transports them to the end of time, to this right. um, planet at the end of time. Loki gets pruned at the end of the episode, and then later on in the mid-credits scene, there's a mid-credits scene, he wakes up, okay? He's on an island or whatever, he's on a planet, and there's... Looked like three. There were actually four Loki's standing over him. They're all different. One of them is a kid who's wearing like he's Kid Loki, which I know was in the comics.
0: Yeah, cool um, crown thing. Cool he's got crown. the crown. Cool, yeah.
1: One of them is dressed in like the like '70s style Avengers Loki, where he's he has a cape and this huge horns, almost um, like a
0: Harlequin outfit, like yeah. a jester. Court jester yeah. Thing. And he's
1: like bright yellow and green, yeah. like Green Bay Packers colors. And then there's like a badass like thick looking Loki, who's got a hammer that kind of yes. looks like Mjolnir. And yes. um, I don't know who he he's like boastful Loki, I guess was his don't name know. In the, y- yeah, in, <laughs> in the, credits. the credits, I heard. And then little surprise uh, for people paying attention. There's a little alligator Loki. And yes. they just have so much fun with it. They keep talking about how he's like, he's sensitive. And at first, um, the Loki that we've been following is like, wait, there's an alligator. And they're like, yeah, and he's just like, all right, well, <laughs> I guess there's an alligator version of this. And but they would they really. Like... It was just so funny. They would give the alligator reaction shots. They would go around the circle. Yeah. Something would happen and everyone would get a reaction <laughs> shot. And then it would just cut to this alligator. <laughs> the, the, uh.
0: that, that was the best part of them leaning into the joke is just showing each uh character's personality there where the way they would react and those reaction shots where it would just do a close-up on the alligator's face and like i'm like i mean that's like a real alligator they put a hat on i don't even know and then it would like again the cgi like the levels of this was just so good and i love another friend was messaging me and he's like crocodile loki croaky and i was like "He's like my favorite character is croaky and i'm like i I love that it was such it was kind of um Just like that cute moment, but played for laughs. And also just like, it's also like this mind bending, genre bending, like you have to start accepting the craziness of it. And one more thing in that episode, I just wanted to call out like uh, for an Easter egg, is there's one point whenever the camera is panning below into the bunker where the Lokis hang out. And there is Frog Thor, whose name is uh, Throg who is in a little jar bouncing around trying to get a Mjolnir as well. And that's, you know, an established thing in the comics. I don't know if the alligator is, but it goes to like think if that's a multiverse where there's a frog Thor, there's also an alligator Loki. So I think I think that's the kind of connection they were trying to make there
1: yeah I love it I mean they get they bring in even more Lokis there's a Loki who's like running for president yes and it ends up being like a massive Loki fight um boastful Loki betrays the Lokis it's ridiculous (laughs) and hilarious and the alligator bites off um president Loki's hand which was a great little payoff because there's like that whole thing in writing about you never you never introduce a loaded gun in the first act and not have
0: it go off in the third act
1: you got to have it happen but I had forgotten about that alligator as a threat
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's so good. Um, all right, well, let's get into the end because I mean, episode six really takes the conversation to a whole nother level in terms of what's going to come and what's going to happen. Adam, what do you, what do you got first before we move over there? Well,
1: I we can do it later. I just um, I really want to talk about Owen Wilson at some point. Let's do it An now. Extended Owen Wilson appreciation let's do it now. moment. I was so happy. To have Owen Wilson in this. It was like, like seeing an old friend again or something. He's back, baby. He, he is back. He's back. Why hasn't he had a mustache before? It looks so good. He wears that mustache so
0: well and his hair is you know he's he's doing the sort of aged gentleman look you know he's kind of got white hair he's got the mustache he still has all of his same kind of quirks he didn't say his iconic wow that i was expecting or maybe he did i don't know I don't but think he, did. he still has that crackle in his voice and this just kind of charm that is just you cannot help but love
1: i know they were really that first episode was so much fun just letting him and hiddleston bounce off each other just you know two Fun actors in a room having a good time, but he just brings such like I don't thought and humanity to his characters that it just felt so real and you know so uh, relatable in a weird way. He just felt like this awesome everyman that you just are rooting for the whole time, and he had one of my favorite lines, maybe my favorite line in the whole series, and I think it was in the second to last episode um, and he's like met up, he got pruned and he's met up with the other Lokis at this point um, and our hero Loki. And they're he's hanging out with the other Lokis and they say something like, why, you know, so after all of this, you know, you've dedicated your entire life to the TVA. You're just going to, you're just going to, you know, join the resistance. Right. And he says, well, it's never too late to change. I love it. And oh it, man. It just hit home so hard. I think that's kind of the theme of the entire show. And uh, to have him sum it up and so succinctly and just deliver it with incredible emotion, I loved it.
0: I, I mean, you called it out perfectly. The whole commitment to change and the arc of Loki going from the ultimate liar in the universe to being somebody who does not lie and struggles with now somebody he now loves in Sylvie can't trust him and how much, you know, pain that brings him. But as far as Mobius, that end embrace of between, you know, he's gonna, he puts out his hand to shake Loki's hand because they're going their separate ways and, and they, you know, they hug each other. I was just like, he brings so much humanity to that character. And it's just that grappling with Belief, and he's kind of it's kind of like has like religious themes because he's like, well, you're you're from Asgard, and they kind of call out the silliness of comics too. I think it was episode two or three where they're talking about, well, how is the TVA and the Time Lords any crazier or stupider than Asgardians? Uh, you know, living with gods and having you know flying hammers, how is that any different? It's just what I choose to believe.
1: Yeah, it's a really um, self-aware piece of of dialogue there.
0: Um, it's awesome. And, you know, again, the post credits on all of this is that Loki will return for season two. So we will see more of of the season, baby. That was great.
1: I I was like, oh, shit. what that happened. So happy. So happy that they didn't even like dance around it. Just we're doing another season.
0: Yeah, yeah, and so we're gonna see all those characters again. I mean, like Ravana Rinslayer, the Judge. She's off doing something. She'll be back. Uh, B fifteen, the Hunter, and uh, Mobius are kind of on a new mission. They don't know who Loki is anymore. They'll be back. So w- w- this is the last we'll see of these guys. But again, we're gonna move over to episode six because it was a doozy. Adam, let me try to let me try to explain to you what I gathered from this, and you tell me if I got it right. <clears throat> Illuminate me. There was a, you know, the multiverse is an incredibly tough concept to wrap our heads around, but essentially the MCU from phases one through three is operating on a single universe. And that universe is orchestrated by Kang the Conqueror, the one that we see in episode six, who has been in a multiversal war against his other selves. And he has come out on top and he has decided, I do not want a multiversal war that is going to explode the whole universe and cause fucking chaos. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to essentially become a dictator and I'm going to establish the TVA to keep the timelines on track, which means that every movie and every TV show we've watched has all been orchestrated by him so that we never see the Sylvie Loki and the Frog Loki and all these other multiverses of the thing. They all get pruned. By the TVA, all orchestrated by him. Now, now that Sylvie has killed him and we are past the end of time, all of the multiverse has opened up. And now there are multiple King the Conquerors, there are multiple Lokis, there are multiple Thors all living on multiple Earths all together. We don't fully understand the ramifications yet, but do I sort of have that right? Because, I mean, the end was an exposition dump that I thought was also doubled as like, you know, Shakespearean kind of villainous dialogue that I thought was just absolutely delightful. But but is that the kind of story as you see it? For the most
1: part, yeah. I am not sure yet about how um how the different versions of the characters are going to meet each other. I don't know if they're in the same worlds right now or it's kind of like these parallel universes, which is You know, in, I think, The Flash, um, there's a, you know, there's it's DC, but they have the same thing. And um, he can jump in between, like, to different, you know, Earths. And I wonder if that's the way it's going to do it, or they're just all going to be smashed up. It seems like now there's maybe a new main timeline. I was wondering, you know, okay, so Loki, he gets sent back to the TVA, and one of the big reveals is that Möbius doesn't recognize him. Right. So, what happened there? Did he go to a different timeline? Did he go back in time?
0: It, it, this is this is a great question. I think he went I think the I think it's playing out linearly. So, I think I don't know if he went back in time, but I think that TVA has been rewritten and been taken over. So, instead of it being the kind of benevolent Kang, semi-benevolent Kang that we met at the end of episode 6, we're probably seeing a more hostile Kang that is going to show his face in future phases of the MCU. And instead of, you know, them having the Time Lords, we see that big statue of Kang the Conqueror standing there. But he still has the TVA, right? So they're still operating the TVA. But in that timeline, I'm guessing Loki never came through. Or I, again, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know because, because the TVA operates outside of like it's not on an earth really it operates right. like x ex, extra dimensionally or
1: something yes yeah it's like in between time yes yeah.
0: so so i i don't know but my sort of my sort of takeaway is there is an evil king that is now in charge of it all
1: yeah i mean i think that's pretty clear because yes. they showed that one huge statue in the background yes yes and then they also when mobius and hunter what's her name hunter
0: b15 i believe
1: yeah b15 um whatever but wh- whatever t- they just keep saying uh does what does he want us to do and in the past right. they would have been talking about the time keepers but now they're just right. there's one of them so yeah um i think that's a pretty fair assessment of what happened it's confusing multiverses are confusing time travel is confusing Comics are confusing.
0: <laughs> yeah, but the I mean, the main thing here is the, the, the real implications is that the X-Men can exist and the X-Men can come in and yeah. then the Fantastic Four can exist on a different earth and then they can come in and we can have a Miles Morales Spider-Man who is operating on a different earth and then he can come in and all of a sudden you open up all these really complex things that we've read about in Marvel forever and us as fans have always been wondering how are you going to bring these guys into the next phases of the MCU and this is how. Because
1: you would have to do a lot of weird retconning or they would have never they couldn't have existed during the events of phases one through three, because that was one thing people would bring up, you know, in Avengers in the Battle of New York. Where are the X-Men? Right. Um, But this is a perfect explanation for that. They're in their own universe. You know, they're on their own timeline. That was existing parallel at the same time so we don't have to you know write a new origin story for them being invented at in phase four or whatever that's right so it works really well it's you know whenever they figured that out in comics whoever cracked that code god bless you
0: so um jonathan majors as came the conqueror whenever they opened the doors what was your take on him he was he was he was playing it up man
1: Oh my gosh, he was just chewing up that scenery. I don't know him. I'm I, I have not um seen what was he in. He was on one. of Uh, he was in Lovecraft Ca- Lovecraft County. Yeah, and he or Lovecraft Country.
0: He was also in Defied Bloods. If you've seen that, um, there's I've seen him in one or two more things, and I think he's just fantastic.
1: He was great. I loved it. So charismatic, and that was kind of I was trying. I couldn't help myself. I was trying to not do too much internet sleuthing and yeah. message board deep dives throughout the watch. Um, but before the last one, I kind of listened to a few people, um, listened to some podcasts, listened to read some stuff, and there was a pretty strong feeling that Kang was gonna show up in this um in this show before because he had already been announced. His casting had already been announced. Yes. And the thought is why would you wait until the multiverse of madness, which they've already established, he's going to be the main villain. in? why would you wait for that? If you've already announced that he's the the guy. Um, so,
0: well, let me ask you this and, and sorry, one more piece of his uh, film backstory is he was in the last black man in San Francisco. I believe you can watch that on Amazon. It's kind of an indie movie and he, his performance there is fantastic. I highly recommend that film. Um, do you think, Adam, that he is going to be the big bad? Because I, I felt like this was almost a, you know, Thanos turning at the end of Avengers number one moment where you see, you know, you see Thanos and he's like, um, then I will do it myself or then, you know, to fight me is to court death or whatever he says. Do you think Kang is going to be the big bad of this whole next three phases or do you think he is one of them or, or how, how do you think that's going to play out?
1: It's a good question. I kind of think he's one of them. I uh-huh. feel like they're gonna do a little bit different of uh, a formula. They've kind of said they want to completely like get rid of the formula and do it differently, but I think they're not gonna actually do that. So i I think there being more villains makes sense. I've also you know kind of read or have heard some rumblings that um, that's kind of what's gonna happen with Eternals too. That they might come uh, out of the end as a villainous kind of car- uh, figures. And, you know, when these super powerful characters come in, they're basically gods. It's uh, kind of hard for them to not end up as villains. Um, too much power, right? Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Seriously.
0: Um, I have a couple rapid fire questions to ask you. One, is the MCU getting too nerdy? Ooh. Great
1: question. I say no. I say that I think that they are finding a really good balance of their nerdier um, properties and finding ways to sort of bring in the you know the mainstream viewer, the the person who's not doing deep dives on subreddits, um, who hasn't read all these backstories. And it's tough. I think it can be a tough sell. And um, I definitely have friends who are like, I have no idea what's happening in Loki, but I like it. And I think that is the biggest thing is that at the end of the day, they're making really good products. So yeah, they're getting really nerdy. I'm really curious to see what happens with Eternals, because to me, it sounds like a pretty um, a risky proposition. It, it seems like kind of a big ask for the audience. So I'm really curious to see
0: what's going to happen with that. Completely agree. And I think that Eternals plays on sort of religion stuff in yeah. my mind. That's kind of interesting. And I wonder how that's going to be taken. Um, okay. Now another question is the MCU getting too complicated.
1: Maybe it's getting pretty complicated and this is kind of just the nature of comic book stories. They get really complicated. The arcs go on forever, and you forget what happens, and then they kind of have to rewrite stuff sometimes, and you kind of just you just go with it. You don't overthink it. You just say, is this one thing good?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think those two questions pair, and, and to your point, I think you made it, um, which is that you can dive deep down Reddit and really get to the bottom of all this stuff, or you can just turn on your TV and watch Tom Hiddleston, you know, mix it up with with Mobius and um, Owen Wilson, and it's just like fantastic. So you don't necessarily need to go so deep and watch every single movie. I think it helps, but I think our modern audiences are also coming around to concepts like the multiverse. I was just expa- explaining the multiverse to my mother-in-law because my daughter's really into... Uh, uh, spider-man into the spider-verse and i'm like yeah it's actually a real theory where there's like you know multiple versions of you and you know maybe this d made a different decision <laughs> and then yeah. you're spider d out there somewhere on another earth and she's like what are you talking about i'm like you know the multiverse i feel like
1: you know parallel universes that's kind of a a thing that people have talked about in science fiction it's Definitely. I, well it's not real it's a theory it's a theory
0: <laughs> well um, blaine
1: i think we know how blaine feels on the subject it's
0: real It's very real. Um, And then last quick fire question and our most important quick fire question. When will we see Mobius on a jet ski?
1: Oh my gosh. I was hoping that was going to happen. They have to pay that off now. He keeps talking about loving jet skis. You know that like his original variant or whatever the original people are called is a big jet ski enthusiast. I mean... It was kind of. I wish that they had done a one last thing with the jet skis because they kind yes. of, you know, forgot about it towards the end. And I was waiting for one final payoff.
0: Yes. No. Same thing. I mean, he he drives that sort of broke down car with a little pizza thing on top of it. And I think there was maybe an alternate one, or I I, I, I guarantee you they'll pay it. So their ideas might, you know, it it might work in season two or whatever. But you know, you got to see him on a jet ski. And speaking of season two. Adam, real fast, let's put on our tinfoil hats. Let's go to Conspiracy Corner. I know we've been kind of talking about what the future of the MCU could look like. What do you personally want to see out of season two? Do you have any other future theories on the MCU? How they will bring in X-Men? I don't know, anything I just want to throw out there because again, this season of Loki just really opened up the door on a lot of stuff. Well,
1: I think that Not every show is going to be like Loki. I think that we're going to have kind of a balance of shows that are like Loki that have really big ramifications to the MCU and shows that are more like Falcon and the Winter Soldier or um, uh, WandaVision that are kind of just fleshing out these characters and giving more time to that and, you know, kind of building it up that way, but maybe not having such a monstrous reveal at the end. So I kind of could see that formula. You know, I don't know if there's going to be a huge, like, if there's going to be a big impact from the Hawkeye show that's going to come out. Mm -hmm. Who knows? But maybe there is. Um, So that's interesting. You kind of, you know, now you're going to be watching just to see because you don't know what's going to happen as part of it.
0: Do you think season two will focus still on the time variance authority aspect of it? Do you think that that sort of framing will still uh, apply? And Because I was thinking about it and I was like... We could have all this stuff, and granted, In Game started messing with time. In Game was the first where we really started getting into um, characters jumping back in time, and you start messing with time, and it gets really complicated. And I was kind of thinking, you have Loki just constantly running in the back of phases four five and six, where they're always just kind of explaining and helping, like pick up those seams and going on these little adventures. I mean, the Lamentous episode. It was like a Doctor Who episode. You know what I mean? It's like these little adventures in time where they're fixing timelines and you could kind of make it almost even episode of the week stuff if you wanted to. And I was just thinking that could be a good way to kind of explain some of this complicated stuff that's going to happen because it's going to get really complicated.
1: Yeah, I think that would be a great way to use, you know, Loki moving forward. I wonder, I was thinking about that too. You know, what are they going to do for season two? Because if Kang is going to be... The main villain for the multiverse of madness how is he going to still be the villain for season two is there going to be a new Seriously, villain yeah i i'm really i have no idea honestly um how they're going to handle that because it seems like they
0: set him up to still be the villain in loki but if yes. he's going to be the villain in multiverse of madness i don't know how you I, I, I or know. is it I, is it quantum mania is it is it the is it the wasp one that he's the villain of maybe i thought it was multiverse of madness maybe it's quantum mania i think it, yeah. he's gonna be in all of them i i i do think i i asked you that question so my sort of like pet theory and i'm not a big like reddit guy i'm sure they're i'm sure this is all out there um the big things that have to be in play for this next couple things um not and i'm not just talking about loki here um but one we're talking about multiple timelines you set up the perfect framing device with the TVA and Kang he's just going to be jumping around messing with stuff and so are these so are our heroes eventually um you have to bring in the x men that is a big question mark for me because i don't know how they're going to do that but i think the other big piece of this is going to be bringing in the Fantastic Four because they are also multiversal galaxy hopping entities. And they could be sort of playing that where um, they're the ones kind of helping fix the timelines and fixing the multiverse in a big way. But anytime you have the Fantastic Four, you have Dr. Doom and Dr. Doom wants, he wants to control it all as well. So I think this kind of We're going to see Kang play out a lot, and 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 I think it's not just going to be in Loki or just in Multiverse of Madness. I think he is going to be in the background of a lot of this stuff, and then I think we will see Doom crop up. And I was thinking about like where can this go in the future? And you know, people talk about Secret Wars from like the '80s. The Secret Wars is this series where this entity called the Beyonder just puts the heroes against each other and they fight. It was really to sell toys, but there is another secret wars in 2015 where Dr. Doom controls the multiverse and the multiverse splits like this. And then he brings it all together into one timeline again. So, This was the beginning of phase four where the multiverse exploded into a a bunch of earths. And then maybe at the very end, we will see it all converge together where then miles Morales and the X-Men and all these people are all living on one earth um, again. And that's kind of what they've done in comics. So I was wondering if that could be the kind of trajectory of where this is going. Seems
1: like a really likely scenario moving forward. That makes a lot of sense. Just what they've built so far and kind of based on, like you said, those remaining like big characters that we haven't seen, obviously X-Men Fantastic Four and doom is such a good villain. I am really excited for whenever he shows up, he's kind of gotten, um, you know, those fantastic four movies just aren't the best.
0: Never worked out.
1: And it's not in because that second one, well, even the first one, they have some great actors in there. I mean, Chris Evans is in the first one and yeah. Michael B Jordan, Miles Teller, yeah second one my guy toby Kebble as dr doom i liked him as dr doom yeah Um, but anyways they're all just like waiting and uh that also means we got a good shot at
0: seeing silver surfer baby (laughs) that's right bringing it back and galactus yeah i love Galactus. the herald silver surfer is the herald of galactus let's see him on the screen i love it didn't even think about i haven't even thought about that i love it um all right, well, let's let's bring this ship down, Adam. This is a good sweeping convo about Loki. We're obviously stoked about season two. We loved this one. Anytime there is a new Marvel DC comics adapted thing, we're going to try to do a Beyond the Panels episode about it. Join us for our regular episodes this month. We are reading this one summer, so join us for that. And that's going to wrap it up for the Beyond the Panels episode. Adam? Comic Club out. Comic Club is brought to you from Upper Esh Media. This episode was edited by Adam J. Cook. Our intro and outro music is by Tiger Cup. Katie Livingston at Living Kate designed our logo. If you enjoyed the episode, tell a friend, follow us on social at Comic Club Podcast and join our Facebook group to continue the conversation online. Remember, everyone, read more comics.